0: This week's edition of the Detroit Bureau's Headlight News is brought to you by Toyota. The next generation 2022 Toyota Tundra was designed, engineered, and assembled in the U.S., and there's no question this is the toughest, most capable, most advanced Tundra to date. It's also available with a new iForce Max hybrid system, resulting in a combined performance output of 437 horsepower and a whopping 583 foot-pounds of torque. It's built for the demands of a full-sized truck. This
1: is TheDetroitBureau.com's Headlight News. I'm Paul Eisenstein. Welcome. It's been a busy week in the automotive world, and here are some of the big stories we've been covering on TheDetroitBureau.com. U.S. car sales nudged higher in October with dealer inventories climbing as well. But no one's ready to say the market is recovering. Not yet. Not with automakers still struggling to deal with the semiconductor shortage. That means customers will also struggle to find the cars and trucks they want, And prices are continuing to climb after hitting an all-time average record of more than $45,000. Joe Sesni will have more in this week's top story. Despite the chip shortage, Toyota's earnings were up substantially during the most recent quarter. Tesla was the only other automaker to report a big increase. Most manufacturers saw earnings tumble sharply. Stellantis, the company formed by the merger of Fiat Chrysler and France's PSA, is offering a new buyout to thousands of white-collar workers. Volkswagen, meanwhile, has warned workers that the shift to battery power could cost 30,000 jobs. That's led to a scuffle between VW CEO Herbert Diess and the company's powerful German labor union, which is trying to force him out. For now, Diess retains the support of Volkswagen's biggest shareholders, but some analysts believe it's only a matter of time till he's ousted and VW cuts back on its aggressive electrification plans. Toyota offered up new details on its first long-range battery electric vehicle, saying the BZ4X coming to market next year will get as much as 300 miles per charge. We saw plenty of new products debut this past week, including Audi's next-generation flagship, the A8 sedan, and VW's all-electric ID.5. Hyundai teased another battery car, the big 7 SUV, and Acura teased an all-new Integra while introducing the high-performance MDX Type S. Plenty of other concept and production vehicles also were unveiled at the annual SEMA show in Las Vegas. 1,400 companies showed off their aftermarket products at the annual event. The COVID pandemic actually has helped SEMA members. Locked down and working from home, Americans had lots of time to work on the vehicles these last 18 months. The aftermarket industry's sales are expected to hit an all-time record $50 billion for all of 2021. And finally, EV startup Rivian has found itself in an unwanted spotlight after marketing chief Laura Schwab was fired. The automotive veteran went public accusing Rivian of sex discrimination. Schwab, who previously ran Aston Martin's U.S. operations, claims the startup is dominated by a boys' club culture that ices out its few women executives. She was fired, she said, in an op-ed post after complaining to the carmaker's HR department. The news comes just as Rivian is launching its first product, the R1T electric pickup. And those are the stories making headlines on
0: thedetroitbureau.com. Now for the week's top story, here's Joe Sesney Thank you, Paul. Despite the continuing impact of the semiconductor shortage, Ford Motor Company demonstrated the potential of its rebuilt vehicle line last month. The company's sales dropped 4% in October, but the decline was smaller than the industry average, and Ford was the top-selling brand in the U.S. for the second month in a row after a rocky start earlier this year. The relative strength of Ford's performance was underscored by the strong demand for the new Maverick pickup truck, which now has more than 100,000 reservations. Additionally, the Bronco Sport outsold a rival Jeep Cherokee and Jeep Compass combined. The F-Series tightened its grip on the sales lead in the full-size pickup segment, and Ford sold more SUVs last month than in any other October in 21 years. In addition, 8% of the vehicles the company sold last month were electrified. While Ford dealers rebuilt their inventories, other automakers continued to struggle. Subaru, which posted steady gains through the pandemic, reported a 40% drop in sales for October. Subaru executives blamed the lack of inventory. But Kia surpassed its previous October's results, breaking its record for annual sales set in 2020 with two months to go. That's this week's top story. Now let's go to Mike Strong, who has this week's review. Thanks, Joe. In this
2: crossover sport utility mad world we live in these days, few things are as enjoyable as climbing behind the wheel of a well-tuned sports car. I got a whole week of fun with the 2021 Lexus LC 500 Coupe. Lexus isn't necessarily one of the first brands that springs to mind when the word sports car pop up, which is too bad really because the LC 500 checks all the right boxes. The first box, big power, which in this case comes from a five liter dual overhead cam V8 mated to a smooth shifting 10 speed automatic transmission. But available panel shifters can make for a more compelling experience. The resulting 471 horsepower and 398 pound-feet of torque propels the coupe from 0 to 60 in just 4.4 seconds and a top speed of 168 miles per hour. I'm pretty confident the first number is accurate, and too big a chicken to attempt to confirm the second one. Our model came in cadmium orange, which is auto-speak for stunningly awesome burnt orange. The color combined with the burble of the Active Sport exhaust makes the LC500 a head-turner. Once inside, the driver is essentially cradled with everything in easy reach. It's a very comfortable driving position, accentuated by the leather trim seats, which are supportive without being hard. They're also heated and ventilated. The coupe not only goes fast, it handles well with adaptive variable suspension. It rides on 20-inch wheels with run-flat tires. Since going fast means you need to stop fast, the LC500 boasts performance brakes with aluminum calipers. It's a Lexus. So, it features a slew of technology as well. It has all the requisite driver assistance safety features one expects. It also uses the Lexus navigation system on a 10.3 inch screen. I confess, I'm not fond of the Navi system, as it routed me to destinations using roads that were closed. And while it saw traffic backups, it failed to route me around them. For the money you're going to pay for this car, I expect better. I also find the touchpad that one must use for the infotainment system irritating. There were several times I felt like I took my eyes off the road for too long to deal with getting the cursor in the right spot. Fortunately, at some points, the car told me to knock it off and focus on driving. The bottom line is that for just shy of 99 grand, you can get an excellent performer with an annoying touchpad that certainly garners attention. If you want some training for what it's like to be a supercar owner someday, this is a great start. That was this week's review. Now let's transition over to what's coming in the week ahead. For the most part, it's likely to be fairly quiet as the SEMA show is over, but the LA Auto show hasn't yet started. The Detroit Bureau is going to get some quality time behind the wheel of the new Jeep Grand Cherokee and an early look at the first battery electric offering from Genesis, the GV60. Additionally, we'll bring you our driving impressions of the newest iteration of BMW's new 4 Series Grand Coupe and perhaps some insights about Volkswagen's U.S. lineup for the 2022 model year. The SUV and crossover craze has been going on for more than two decades now. And I know this for certain because Toyota is celebrating the 25th anniversary of its best-selling product, the RAV4, this week. We'll have those items as well as any breaking news in advance of the LA Auto Show. That was the week ahead. Now let's go to Larry Prince to look at this week in automotive history. Larry?
3: Thanks, Mike. Time to take a road trip back into the self-propelled past with this week in automotive history. This week in 1939, Packard introduces the first automobile air conditioner in the Packard 180. The massive unit fills half of the trunk and couldn't be controlled from the driver's seat. To turn it on, owners had to get out of the car and attach the compressor belt. This lack of convenience dooms its popularity, and Packard drops the option after 1942. In 1966, the Maserati Ghibli debuts at the Turin Motor Show. Powered by a 330-horsepower 4.7-liter V8, the Ghibli's look is the work of Ghia and designer Giorgetto Giugiaro. Its hidden headlamps and thin grille are a departure for the automaker, which would go on to build 1,328 units through 1973. One was bought by Henry Ford II, who places it in the lobby of the Ford Product Development Center in Detroit as a source of inspiration. Thirty-nine years ago, in 1982, Honda opens its new factory in Marysville, Ohio, becoming the first Asian automobile company to produce cars in the United States. Honda would go on to establish two more plants, one in East Liberty, Ohio, and the Performance Manufacturing Center also in Marysville. More than 20 million Hondas have been built at the three plants. This week in 1983, Chrysler introduces the first minivans to the United States market when it unveils the 1984 Dodge Caravan and Plymouth Voyager. Chrysler begins working on the minivan in 1977 when Hal Spurlick joins the company after leaving Ford. Spurlick first pitched the concept at Ford, but CEO Henry Ford II was dubious and killed the project. Since then, Chrysler has sold more than 15 million minivans. And that's the road we've traveled this week in automotive history. For TheDetroitBureau.com, I'm Larry Prince. Thanks, Larry. And that's it for now. You've been listening to TheDetroitBureau.com's Headlight News.
1: I'm Paul Eisenstein.